There is a reading that I now use in many of the memorial services and celebration of life services that I lead. It was written by John C. Morgan. In the end, it won't matter how much we have, but how generously we have given. It won't matter how much we know, but rather how well we live. And it won't matter how much we believe, but how deeply we love. When I speak these words, I sometimes see people nodding in agreement. And sometimes I just feel this sort of wave of affirmation as people hear the words. It won't matter how much we have, but how generously we have given. It won't matter how much we know, but rather how well we live. And it won't matter how much we believe, but how deeply we love. It speaks to something that we know at the very center of our beings. And there is only one small piece of it that has become a sticking point for me, challenging me to explore just what it is that I am affirming. The phrase with which it begins, in the end, in the end, this is what will matter and this is what won't matter in the end. But what about until then? I affirm that all these things are true, that these things won't matter and these other things will matter, that these are the real priorities in life and there is a part of me that is also affirming that I won't take in the full import of this realization until some future date, until I am faced with something life-threatening, perhaps, something that has awakened me to the incontrovertible fact of my own mortality to the brevity of a lifetime. I know this is true, and chances are fairly good, I won't let this realization change my life significantly until that which we might call an end is in sight. Taking a leap toward generalization, I am guessing that you may have noticed this tendency in yourself as I have in myself. I noticed it as a widespread phenomenon captured in our language, in phrases that are sprinkled throughout our communications with one another. For instance, at the end of the day, people say, and what follows? A summing up, maybe, along with a clear perspective on the most important matter. At the end of the day, what matters is how we treat one another. At the end of the day, this election is about preserving and expanding our democracy. At the end of the day, we must recognize our interdependence with other people and with all of life. There is a great and simple clarity that seems to visit us at the end of the day. But why at the end? 
Just as an image, as a metaphor, it lacks the inspiration that it feels like we sorely need right here, right now, this present moment, which is all we ever really have, right? It makes me feel like I am surveying things that have already happened, surveying the ruins of what might have been a glorious construction if I had but known then what I know now at the end of the day. Why must I wait for the end of the day? And why do I all too often forget the priorities I realized at the end of one day by the time the next day dawns? What if at the end of the day became as each day dawns? As each day dawns, what matters is how we treat one another. As each day dawns, we must work to preserve and expand our democracy. As each day dawns, we must recognize our interdependence with other people and with all of life. And listen, I don't mean to preach from some ivory tower of lofty ideals. I realize that there are many practical things that call for our attention, many necessary, menial tasks that must be taken care of for our continuing survival and the support and maintenance of our homes and our families and our income and our health, things that won't rise to the level of things that really matter in the end or at the end of the day or even by the end of this sentence. But here's what does matter in the midst of all of that. Elandria Williams expressed it so beautifully when he asked us to consider how we move in the world. How we move in the world. As each day dawns, what matters is how we choose to move in the world. How will I choose to move in the world today? What will guide my choices? Will I wait until the end of the day to weigh my lived priorities against my highest aspirations or will my highest aspirations guide how I choose to move in the world? Will I treat each circumstance as an opportunity to live out of my best self? The observance of Yom Kippur begins this evening in the Jewish tradition. As an outsider, I don't pretend a deep understanding, but what I find so profoundly perceptive about the annual cycle of Rosh Hashanah followed by the Days of Awe and culminating in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is that it calls people to reflect on those matters that are all too often left to the end of the day. No, we will not wait we will regularly return to this reflection. And not only this reflection, but the active repentance that follows from this as we look clearly at where we have fallen short. Repentance. Atonement. These are not popular words in Unitarian Universalist circles, but there is much 
to learn here, especially resonating with our theme for this month, renewal. Lewis Newman, Associate Dean and Professor of Religious Studies at Carleton College in Minnesota and the author of several books on Jewish ethics and theology, including Repentance, The Meaning and Practice of Teshuva, was interviewed by Krista Tippett during the Days of Awe in 2015 on her show On Being. He said this about the practice of repentance. We cannot literally go back in time and undo what we did. And yet, repentance is precisely that process by which we can, in the moral realm, if not in the physical realm, we can go back to the deed. We can find that part of ourselves that led to doing the transgression and reform ourselves. I find that inspiring, he says, to think that we are not in bondage to even our most grievous mistakes. Repentance really is about coming to terms with who we really are. And that's true in a couple of senses. It's true both in terms of claiming our own mistakes, not running from them, not hiding them, but actually claiming them. Knowing that they're true and owning them. And also owning the fact that deep down our core essence is ultimately good. It's about honesty and truthfulness. It's about being true to who we really are ultimately. It's also about returning. There's a voice always coming from Mount Sinai inviting us to return. And that sense of responding to an ongoing call that's there, whether we're listening to it or not, is very much a part of what we mean by repentance. Now, what I love about that is that it strikes me that Yom Kippur is calling us to those end-of-the-day realizations before we are actually facing the end. It causes us to rearrange our thinking to the here and now, not to ponder what will or won't matter in some distant reflective state, but what does or doesn't matter right here and now. Not to set ourselves up to mourn our misguided priorities, but to get our priorities straight right here and right now. Rosh Hashanah does not come at the end of the year. It begins a new one. What if at the end of the day became as each day dawns? As each day dawns, what matters is how we treat one another. As each day dawns, we must work to preserve and expand our democracy to include all people. As each day dawns, we must recognize our interdependence with all of life and our utter dependence upon the earth. As each day dawns, what matters is how we choose to move in this world. As this year dawns, we recognize how we have failed to cherish through our thoughts, our words, and our actions that which we know matters most. 
and we vow to move into this year with the recognition of where we have failed and a realization of the promise that is a part of our very existence. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur place these realizations right at the beginning. And, and there is a recognition of human frailty. There is a recognition that we will forget, that we will wander from the promise, that we will fail in ways big and small. It's about returning, says Lewis Newman. There's a voice always coming from Mount Sinai inviting us to return. And that sense of responding to an ongoing call that's there, whether we're listening to it or not, is very much a part of what we mean by repentance. It is an ongoing call from morning to night, all throughout the year, to return to what we know at the very center of our being, to what we know matters and what doesn't to return to living out our highest aspirations, to return to being mindful about how we move in the world, but recognizing that our attention will flag, that our priorities will get turned upside down and crosswise, that we will begin to focus not so much on how we move in the world, but how fast we can go and who is in our way and where we need to be other than where we are right here and right now, all of that will happen. And recognizing that we can know deep within ourselves what matters and still move in the world like we don't know. Rosh Hashanah and the days of Ah and Yom Kippur come each year explicitly reminding us of the voice that is always coming, reminding us of the ongoing call and saying, here, wake up, it is morning, it is a new day and a new year and we acknowledge we have fallen short and we seek and offer forgiveness and we begin again from the recognition of all that really matters and we vow to move in the world with that recognition. We vow to, in the words of Alandria Williams, move in the world so people can see by example. You are the embodiment of what we need. Thanks to all that are the embodiment. The embodiment, not of productivity, but the embodiment of radical love, care, and sanctuary. It is time. It is embodiment time. Embodiment living one's values out loud. Let me every day live my values out loud. Let us every day live our values out loud, embodying our values, not the productivity quotient, beyond productivity, past productivity, true embodiment, life. Thank you, E, and thank you all.